Somewhere in the dark and nasty regions where nobody goes stands an ancient castle. Deep within this dank and uninviting place lives Burke. Hello! Overworked servant of the thing upstairs. Burke, But that's nothing compared to the horrors that lurk beneath the trap door. For there is always something down there dark waiting to come out hello and welcome to cage fighting it's your main man andy gillard here hope everyone's doing well right now Hi everybody, Mac Guy here. Hope everybody is splendid and ready to be spooked. Who spooked? Yes, I have climbed it. My well, I am back. Hello, everyone. <laughs> the, the the plan was going to be Stu. Each week, I was going to try and tell a story where the first week you fell down a well, then the next week was going to be that you've got out of the well, but a falcon kidnapped you and took <laughs> you to its nest. And I was just going to build a story depending on how long it was going to be until your return. Uh, but we are glad to have you back, Stu. Uh, and we need to say welcome to the first and maybe not last Cage Fighting Film Festival. Uh, for Halloween, our next two question casts are going to be shorter, but no less sweeter than your love of the show. Uh, we're going to pepper in a few questions, but the overarching theme is going to be if Cage Fighting was asked to curate their own horror film festival, what films would you choose? And because it's Halloween, we thought we would ask the only person we know who's actually appeared in a horror film. And back for his second appearance, Mr. Ash Dolan. Ash, welcome back. Hello. The agent fee was quite subliminal. <laughs> well, I'm sure it can keep you in your iced tea throughout the evening, can't it? <laughs> peached, peached is the best. So I think really the first recommendation that we should do should be the film that you were in, Ash. So you were in The Last Showing, 2014, um, starring the one and only Robert Englund. Yeah. So do, do they still send you residuals for this, Ash? Are, are they... I think I owe them money, really. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I got to meet Robert Englund, which was lovely, and they absolutely wrecked uh, where I work. By throwing people through glass windows and uh, breaking doors and everything like that. So that's probably the best experience that we had about it. <laughs> I've got to admit, I haven't got round to seeing this film. It's one I've just not been able to find anywhere. But I did look before the podcast started. And it is available on Prime and Netflix and everywhere you expect to rent and or buy, should you wish. Um, I, I will get around to watching it at some point, I do promise. I wouldn't rush. <laughs> well some of the reviews like the reviews either seem to be this is really good and really interesting or this is absolute dog shit which i mean for me i quite like both of those extremes so it sounds like it might be my cup of tea we got a uh, staff showing of it uh, once it had wrapped and they'd done it all and not one member of staff went to watch it <laughs> that, that's a damning indictment isn't it <laughs> So, as part of our curated cage fighting horror fest, we also asked our good buddy, writer, and all round horror hound, 
David Corter to supply a recommendation, but we're saving that as the headliner, and that'll be at the end of the next question cast. But be sure to get your hands on David's book, and that is Content May Unsettle, available where books are sold. So the first question, just to get your brain juices are flowing, gentlemen. On a personal level, what do you get out of watching horror films? Stu? I actually don't know. <laughs> you know, it's a, a brilliant start again, um, because I hadn't really thought about it. Like, it's like, why do you watch a comedy? Obviously, because you want to laugh. Or why do you watch action films? Because it's fun. For me, horrors just comes under that. It's not one specific reason. I mean, me and you have said before, like it was probably last year, um, last Halloween, saying, "Well, we we don't just watch horror like horror films." That, Halloween time, we watch them all year round because it's just another genre that we like. And for me, that's what it is. I just, I haven't got a specific reason for it. I don't like being scared. Um, if I fancy it, I'll just put it on. It doesn't really matter what the genre is. I've just, I've not got no real draw to horror like some people have. Yeah. What do you think of the theory that people watch horror because they can't experience it for themselves, and this is the next closest thing. So you watch it because you're a um, a masochist. You want to experience the pain of the, uh, the the person on screen, but you can't. Do you buy into that theory at all, Stu? Well, that's just that's. <laughs> this is like Goldie used to say this about why he never used to play driving games because he said, "Well, I couldn't go out and drive a car." Went, well, you can't go and race a Subaru, can you? Like in Gran Turismo. <laughs> that kind of breaks down straight away for the same kind of argument that I mean masochists are fucking weird people anyway. If you if you want to be if you want to experience pain, they can go and find pain themselves. Not for me. I don't I don't get that. I mean it's <laughs> if you want escapism, then I don't see why horror would be any different to any other kind of thing, really. Mm. Matt, you're less of a lover of the horror genre, aren't you? So what do you uh, get? Good, bad, uh, indifferent? I, f- I feel there's a slight misconception here. I just don't like to be scared. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, so for me, what I get from horror is an, it's, it's an exploration of some of the things that I really enjoy in a more kind of graphic sense a lot of the time. So, you know, st- you know, we don't really get good movies about mythology, really. These days, it's the- it seems all monsters or anything like that without it being like, like either a kid's wacky kind of cartoony show or horror and i like those things i like you know werewolves vampires zombies everything like that and and those things i really enjoy about um horror the things i don't enjoy so much are the things that could happen to me in real life like getting made into a human centipede um <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's the you know to say that i don't like horrors is a slight stretch i just um i'm, I'm, I'm easily spooked to put it that way so is it is it jump scares that gets you, or is it more I'd of say, the I would slow? Say so, yeah. okay. okay, I'd say it's a jump scares because I enjoy the psychology of horror, and I enjoy mm. the slow build up, and I enjoy the payoff at the end, like a like a good storyline. But cheap jump scares are just—it's exactly that, and like you know, and it just makes you feel uncomfortable. I don't get a, a sense of satisfaction out of that, whereas I do for kind of psychological stuff. Mm. See, I think if if you've been old enough to have experienced the Resident Evil dog at the time, then this would never be an issue, would he? Yeah, that's very true, yeah. <laughs> I'm fairly certain I was more than old enough for that. 
Wasn't like you, you probably on five, the... wouldn't you? No, 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 no. Because Slipknot was on the um, Slipknot was on the soundtrack for the Iowa album, so I was at least like eleven or twelve, comfortably. Of the first game. Oh, the first game. I'm talking about the films. Oh, the first game. <laughs> oh, no, you, you hella old. <laughs> yeah. Ash, what do you get out of horror? This, I found this hard to answer because every answer came the same way. And I just enjoy watching stupid people get it, get what's coming to them. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like in the sort of the slasher movies, there's always the people you sort of relate to in your life. Like there's idiots who you know and you can relate to them. And then watching them get slashed or whatever, it's just, it's, it, it just um, gratifying, isn't it? Mm. Um, I just enjoy watching it, to be honest. <laughs> there is that certain level of schadenfreude that comes with horror that you don't really get with other genre so i think that's partly why i get it and you do get that endorphin rush with horror um like you get an endorphin rush with comedy and i think that comedy and horror are very very closely related genre because it's all about the unexpected that's where the surprise comes from that's where the best comedy is and that's where the best horror is for me yeah that that's why i love horror is that i I get that endorphin rush when I watch it. I either laugh or jump, and I like that feeling of not knowing what's going to come next. And to sort of add on to what Matt said, I enjoy the lore that seems to be built up within horror that you don't really get in other genre of film. Like comedies tend to be quite lightweight and surface level. Action is just big and bold and great. But horror, they tend to have an underlying story that keeps getting built on. Even if it's not within the same franchise, the lore of horror in itself is just something to behold, I think. That's why I love horror. That's where it comes from for me. Whether it's high concept, low concept, high bro, low bro, I just love it. I think it's excellent. And, of course, you love it because a lot of women get killed and you are a massive sexist, as we found out a couple of weeks ago. Yes, yeah. yeah. I hate girls, apparently. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm not getting into that one. <laughs> so what was the film that got you into horror? The, either the first film that you watched in horror or the the film that turned your mind around on it. Ash, where, where did you start with this one? I, going back to 1998, that age-old year, show my age a bit, <laughs> and it was The Faculty. Um, so... Basically, it was based off that um, Christopher McDonald was in Happy Gilmore, obviously a shooter mm, McGavin, yeah. and he's obviously Frodo's dad in The Faculty. And I was like, I liked Happy Gilmore. And so I watched this, and obviously it's a lot different than Happy Gilmore. <laughs> and obviously we all know what happens in it. Um, there's that scene in the, sh- in the uh, school bathrooms, which is also quite good for a young lad at that age. <laughs> and then it's also got um, Oasis as the uh, credit si- uh, credit music, which is probably one of the better credits credit songs ever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I quite enjoyed the faculty, even though it's pro- watching it back, it doesn't age very well. It also yeah. has a decent cast with uh, Usher, John Stewart, and uh, young Josh Hartnett. I-, I remember seeing it at the time, and I, I really enjoyed the film. I- it's not one I've ever revisited, but I remember thinking it was good fun. Yeah, I should probably add that one back to the list. Stu, what about yourself? Where did you start with horror? 
I think I probably paused the faculty almost as much as cruel intentions, I think. Um, <laughs> with <laughs> in the morning, it's, it's almost like, well, I know what the first thing that scared me is also the same one that got me into it because I watched the, fl- the fly, Jeff Goldblum fly, um, Brundle fly, uh, when I was probably about six or seven, which was obviously a very bad idea. <laughs> and it terrified me for months on end and I couldn't sleep. I had to sleep in, to sleep in mum's bed and all this kind of stuff. But then me and again, friend of the show, Dean had this kind of the fly fan club at secondary school. And so talking about that, we then went to watch America werewolf in Paris. And that's kind of what got me on the kind of on the band roll to it on the bandwagon to watching horror films again, rather than just be terrified of them. So for me, it was it's it kind of pushed me away and brought me back in with the love of the fly. Mm. I remember the first time I saw the fly. I think I was on holiday with mom. I think we'd gone to like Western Supermare or somewhere like that, staying in a, a caravan. And for whatever reason, I, I must have been up ridiculously late. I'd probably have been. I must have been a little bit older than yourself when I saw it. I think I might have been about thirteen, fourteen. Actually, maybe not even that. Thinking about it. Uh, and the fly was on, and I think Mom had probably fallen asleep, and I just stayed up watching the fly. And it's the scene, the arm wrestling scene. <laughs> like, to this day, just thinking about it, it does make my stomach turn a little bit. It's just horrible. But, yeah, it's a cracking film. And that's th- one of those that sort of borders on the line between high con- uh, between lowbrow and, like, art for me, because there are elements of it that are quite trashy, but it's also got quite a a deep and meaningful metamorphosis storyline. So I do think The Fly is an excellent, excellent movie. And his jar of uh, things as well, which you can't hear. Can't yeah. Be missed. Yeah, bit grim. Matt? So I think it started off for me um, with, uh, it would have been Silence of the Lambs was kind of the first horror I saw. I know it's not horror so much as it's more of a, thriller slash psychological kind of film but that's what kind of kick-started it off for me the idea that people are nasty and there are serial killers in the world kind of thing that kick-started that world for me and um, very quickly watched the shining on the back of that which left an impression on me and i loved loved that and then it started to move into more kind of um like found footage stuff like blair witch and mm. i started to lose interest in the genre around the time i saw Grave Encounters. I don't know if you've seen that one. I don't even know um, that one. Yeah, it's it's a film following a film crew following a Derek Acora style show, <laughs> um, and they're basically all they're they're hokey, you know they're hokey as fuck, and it's like that you know, you see them showing how it's all fake and they're making it up, but actually the place is actually haunted. And it's one of those kind of things, but it just scared mm. the living shit out of me. And I was actually petrified by it. Um, and it was at that point that I was like, nah, you know what? These jump horrors, they ain't for me. They ain't my bag. <laughs> the film which got me into, I think the first horror film that I saw is a film called Ghoulies. I don't know if any of you know this film. Heard of Ghoulies, yeah. Right. It's a mid 80s film, and it's basically off the back of Gremlins. So you had all these little. Critters, I mean, Critters is another film from that era of time, where it's just these small little, either cutesy or evil-looking creatures. 
and they're trying to play off the fact that they're gremlins like to try and get some money out of people. And a friend's older sister put that on when I was probably about five, maybe four years old. I remember nothing about the film apart from there's one scene where a guy goes to the toilet and one of these ghoulies bites his arse. And that's literally all I can remember about the film. (laughs) But then a few years later, I had my appendix out when I was a little bit older. I think I was 11 at the time. And as I was off work, my mum used to work at the local spa. And the guy who ran the spa gave my mum just like a shitload of videos for me to watch whilst I was off school. And one of those videos was Child's Play, the original Mm. 1988 film. I remember my mum sitting me down and saying like, no, you don't need to be scared. It's fine. If anything bad happens, just laugh because it's funny. And I think that's where my love of horrors came from. Like my mum's never been a fan of them, so I don't even know why she said, yeah, crack on. But yeah, she told me to just laugh at the the horrible things. And that's kind of the mantra I've always taken through all the horrors. So yeah, Charles plays the one that really got me into it. I have got a, a Chucky doll somewhere in this house. I think he's in the loft. I hope he's still in the loft anyway. Otherwise, mm. that would be a, a terrifying discovery one day. <laughs> so let's start off week one of the Horror Fest with something horrific, slasher films. So the slasher film is typically associated with otherworldly protagonists who seemingly can't be killed. Think of Mike Myers, or Michael Myers, obviously Mike Myers is something very different. Uh, Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees, Chucky, some of the big hitters in this genre. The origins of the subgenre date back to The 13 Women from 1932. Uh, this is a film about a sorority whose former members are set against each other by a vengeful peer. And sororities and college-age students being murdered have been a staple of this genre now for nearly 100 years. Of course, it also gave rise to the final girl trope. That's the last woman standing, so to speak, to take on the big bad. Michael Myers had Laurie Strode, Ghostface had Sidney Prescott. Even up to today, the Bayfield babyface killer from Happy Death Day had Teresa Gelbman. The slasher is probably the subgenre which gets most people interested in horror, I think. So it's time for recommendations. Stu, what's your recommendation, please? Nice and easy for this one. Halloween. Just it's classic, isn't it? Classic. Brilliant. Even when I, I watched it in preparation for the, well, what is it, reboot actual sequel <laughs> um, a couple of years ago, and I was amazed how good it still was. It's just perfect. Exactly what it, it's. It might be paint by numbers now, but I don't care. <laughs> it's just, it's just superb. It, it's generic because it defined the genre. That that's the reason why it's paint by numbers because everything that came after it has basically tried to copy it. I think, Matt, what's yours, please? Well, I need to give you a slight bit of context on here because I said I said to you, Andy, much to your dismay, the slasher is is comfortably one of my least favourite horror genres, <laughs> um, and and not because it's it incorporates jumpy scares, but. I was really never into the boom of Americana in the, like, the early 2000s or, the, or late 1990s, where everything seemingly had to come from college campuses and it was pop punk and it was all of that shite. And I was just really not into it. I was like, I'd, I'd be, be anything other than that. You know, when people were listening to Blink 182, I was listening to, 
Limp Biscuit, and the two just weren't socially compatible. They just weren't in the same wheelhouse. So things like Scream and things of that nature just just do nothing for me. So for that reason, as a slasher, I'd gone with American Psycho. Mm-hmm. Um, now I really struggled with the book American Psycho. It was a hard read. Like I didn't get a lot of pleasure out of it, but the social critique element of American Psycho I really enjoyed. And what I like about it is there's an element of Bateman that's that's all of us. If especially if you work in an office setting and you work in a um, you you work with people that you would love to stab in the face multiple times, <laughs> you can relate to this character and some of the things the, the way that he goes about his business and you know, has these inner monologues of complete psychotic behavior, I think it's wonderful. You know, it's as much of a black comedy as it is a slasher. Mm-hmm. Um, but like all good things, like all good villains and characters, there is always a slight justifiable quality to them. The things that they're <laughs> doing are in some twisted way. Okay. And I think that in American psycho, you have that, you have that feeling in your deepest, darkest part of your mind. Um, And that's why I really enjoy it. Excellent choice. So, I mean, this goes back a little bit to the question we had on the last question cast from yourself about, is it ever acceptable to end a film on a, it was all a dream? Mm -hmm. Was it all a dream? Did it happen? What what do you think? I'm not sure. The the jury's out on this. Um, I, I... I remember sending myself absolutely do lally about Inception and to the point where I think I'd almost ruined it for myself um, <laughs> because I'm reading, I'm reading conspiracies. I'm reading this, I'm reading that. And I didn't want, I didn't, I tried intentionally not to do it with this. I just wanted to enjoy it for its violent elements and not necessarily anything else. So I think, I think the jury's out on that one. I'm, I'm happy leaving it in the way. I'm kind of happy leaving it as it is for now and not exploring that any further and enjoying it for, him talking about is it Duran Duran when their 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 earlier work was the best whatever it was whatever he said <laughs> Genesis oh, yeah I, I look his diatribe on um, oh god Huey Lewis in the news that yeah. I mean that that scene's just phenomenal and I'm a big fan of Chloe Sevigny I think she's a really talented actor who doesn't really get the uh, the big roles but she's always really really good and she's excellent in that film. Ash, what's your uh, first selection, please? I tossed and turned over it, and there was an obvious one, but I went past it, and I went for the epitome of the um, how do you say it? The um, the cliche and the satirizing of it, and I've gone for Scream hmm. with the ghost face. Um, it features Courtney Cox in her best role. Fans, yeah. fans, come at me. Uh, a former WCW World Heavyweight Champion, <laughs> David Marquette. I have to get the rest of them in there. It's got Shaggy in it. And I think you could go through all of the... If you're going to recommend a slasher film, you could go through all of their sequels and things like that. But if you want to get them rolled up into one, I think Scream's probably the best place to go because it tells you everything that you want from a slasher movie. Hmm. It literally rolls it all off for you. Yeah, I I love Scream. The third one, not so much. But I've got to say, one, two, and even four, I thought was a decent movie. The third one was just a bit bland, and annoyingly, I guessed the twist before I even got into the cinema, which spoiled it somewhat. 
But yeah, it's, it's an excellent film. And Scream for me is the reason why the scary movie film was never that funny because Scream is a pastiche of films. It's a parody of horror slashers. So Scary Movie was trying to parody a parody, and that's why it never really rang true for me. We're about the series. Have you seen the series? I saw the first season and wasn't blown away. I think I watched the first episode of the second, and it was one of those where it was it didn't improve, so I just cut it, cut it loose. Yeah, I watched them to the end. Hmm. It was better than a lot of other things that we've had to suffer through for this. But yeah, I, I know what you mean. I think the, it was too. Um, it was very MTV. War, obviously made by MTV anyway. Yeah. But the, all the stuff about because I we had to turn today because he wore it. It was never even shown here. No. So you, every time the music came up and it had that thing pop up at the bottom saying what the track was, and I thought, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. So, it was really distracting, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I just could never get to grips with it. I think the problem with horror is it's all about the impact of it. And when you're stretching it out across a dozen episodes, it loses some of that somewhat. It dilutes the, the impact of it. So, yeah, horror series are seldom good. There's a few, like, I mean, Ash versus the Evil Dead is excellent, but, I mean, that's the Evil Dead, so of course it is. Have you um, have you seen any of American Horror Stories on uh, on Disney Plus? I have, yes. I've seen the is season. It a, is it any good? Yes. Um, have you seen American Horror Story? I've seen the first four. I got up to... Okay. Yeah, I've seen the first four. So you've seen Murder House? Mm-hmm, yeah. That, that's the only one you you don't need to see, but if you see it, it adds context to American Horror Stories. Okay. Um, the first answer me, two episodes... Answer me one question, Andy. Answer me one okay. question. Okay. Is the sexy maid in it? Annoyingly not. Oh, Annoyingly not. Yeah. Yeah, that is a, a disappointment. But yeah, the, the first two episodes link back to American... Uh, to Murder House, and the last episode does. The others are just standalone episodes but yeah, it's fine okay. like it's seven episodes or whatever it is it's yeah it's decent uh, my recommendation is going to be psycho i'm going all the way back to 1960 i just i mean bates is one of the all-time great characters of any genre ever i love it i'm a huge alfred hitchcock fan i remember when i was at uni like doing all the hitchcock stuff was my favorite time of doing film studies i absolutely adored it it was one of the first films that we broke down and would look at the iconography and the mise-en-scene and all that wanky, pompous <laughs> stuff that you have to do as a film student. But there's just so much depth and layers to the, the film cycle. I think it's excellent. I mean, I'll, There's some stuff I want to come on to in a little bit on one of the other questions, but Psycho is an excellent movie. The original, not the remake. Very much not the remake. <laughs> Have you watched Bates Motel? What did you think of that? I watched the first episode and it annoyed me, so I can't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was just because it it was a modern day retelling, wasn't it? Like he had an iPhone, if I remember correctly, and I just couldn't get over that, so I just I didn't watch anymore. Is it worth the investment or not? It's it's okay. It's hard to get used to now. Obviously, uh, an older version of um, Charlie Bucket. Ending up being a uh, sociopath killer. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah, maybe one day, but I, I highly doubt it. So that's our recommendations. So we'll move on to question number three. And because we've just been discussing this subgenre, I want to know who's your favourite horror villain? Matt? It's got to be... Um, it's quite a basic bitch choice, this, so my apologies. But it's got to be the Xenomorph from uh, from from Alien. Alien 1, the only horror film of the genre, or just Alien, to, uh, as is known to everybody else, before it turned into an action series. Um what isn't that to what is it that to like? It's 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 the perfect killing machine and it pisses blood that's acid. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like there's nothing. But I think f- it, everything about that, that alien movie was just you're so vulnerable. The, the people that were being they were so vulnerable, it felt like genuine terror that you're never gonna feel in, in the world that we live in. And that made it all the more scary because you did you didn't didn't know what to expect. It was just for what is you know it's got age on its clock now that that movie but it, it doesn't it hasn't aged a day I don't think either um, and the xenomorph is just it's just it's just badass it's just everything that a, that a monster should be indestructible um, a, a genuine threat to everybody but then it's overcome in the end by the final girl as well in in a, in a weird way that not, not that trope that you actually expect I guess because you know Sigourney Weaver isn't isn't that. Um, I think the further we went in that franchise, the you know the worse the Xenomorph became, and when it became like that dog thing in the third one, in the prison, <laughs> that was pretty diabolical. And then at the end of Alien versus Predator, when you've got a Predator alien, that was the, that was dog shit. But mm. take me back, let make me forget about the rest, and give me give me the first Xenomorph. It's interesting because like with my answer, I was. I was debating the one I went with, or Jaws. Mm-hmm. I was like, could you class Jaws? I mean, I think Jaws and the Xenomorph are yeah. quite close because they're both instinctual predators. Basically, they're not. Yeah, they're not killers who've got an agenda. They're mm-hmm. beasts, for want of a better word. So I didn't know if I could make that argument, but I think you have sold it that you, you can make that argument. They are the, the perfect killers in in their field. Oh, totally. Yeah, it's it's just it felt so indestructible and just added to the terror um even even the elements of just like the dribble or it's probably the secretion of the um from its mouth that is used to like paralyze its its prey as it was explored i just think it's just brilliant and it, it's really well done and you know not even going taking it one step further back than the, the xenomorph what's more terrifying than a face hugger no you know what i mean the idea of having this thing mm. on your face that's choking you and and putting something down your front and basically impregnating you. I suppose, you know, there's, there's, there's deeper, darker elements to it and uh, about that and, and like social context and all sorts. And it's just, it's just wonderful. Really. really I, I don't think I hate that alien will never be seen as a horror franchise and it really shouldn't be because they're not, but the first one was something special. Mm. It is a, a perfect horror film. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so my other choice, to, it was either between Jaws or the one I went with, which I know Ash is going to hate is Pennywise the clown. <laughs> there is something about clowns. Like, I fully understand why people are terrified of clowns. It's that not knowing who they are. It's the fact that they wear a mask without actually wearing a mask. And Pennywise is more than just the clown, really. And obviously, we know from the story that he's whatever you don't want him to be, effectively. Whatever terrifies you is what Pennywise becomes. 
And that's sort of the perfect horror villain, isn't it? It's your worst nightmare brought to life, whatever it may be. I think if any, you know, if, if he was in the real world and Pennywise was a thing, people would be more scared of him than anything because he could be everything that you didn't want. And I know a lot of people shit on the second chapter of the film, but I, can, I really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a, a good two-parter. Much better than the original, and I quite liked the original series, the um, the one from the nineties. Uh, but I really enjoyed the, the most, the two most recent um, encapsulations of, of Pennywise. I would quite like to read some more Stephen King, just to try and because apparently he appears in other books as well. Pennywise does, so I'm quite intrigued to see what else they've done with the character. But yeah, that that would be my favourite horror villain. Ash, who's yours? I was going to mention, I've got to mention my namesake, Ash from Evil Dead. <laughs> just just because he made my life easier. <laughs> but I have to go with my guy, Jason Voorhees. What a guy. Uh, the hockey mask is, is iconic. The machete. Um, he's been to space. He's been to New York. He, <laughs> he's been James Bond, if you've seen... Uh, the sick film, I think, Jason Lives. The uh, the opening scene is him uh, parodying uh, J- James Bond. Absolutely <laughs> comedy, comedy gold. Um, it's just the nonchalantness. He just he's just a man machine, killing machine, just walking in, taking no shit, chopping off heads. Um, what else can you say, really? Um, I have an affinity to him because I've been on many a Halloween night out dressed as uh, Jason Voorhees and on Halloween especially girls love Jason Voorhees I can tell you that quite <laughs> substantially <laughs> Stu Matt have either of you two dressed up at Halloween as any uh, horror villains uh, <laughs> I've done well I remember one year I had a Halloween party and I was super lazy so I just went v- the V for Vendetta style Nice. So I just got the mask, just literally just wore that and a big cape, and I got away with it. Um, I showed you, Andy, the horror display that was my Rowdy Roddy Piper a few weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> and if you actually saw the wig that came with it, you would. Uh, it was more. Um, it was more misery than Rowdy Roddy Piper. To be honest, it was. Uh, it was not um, a good look. Do <laughs> you reckon you've got some looks? No. Re- you know, there's the Joker one that was sometimes been my Twitter profile picture hmm. when we all did DC villains together, but that's not really. I mean, I, I suppose it's horrific the fact that I, I kind of the one the year after Michael Jackson died, I kind of I painted half of my face black and went out like that. Um, different time, <laughs> but um, for actual Halloween, I can't. I probably have, and there's probably pictures of it, but I, I off the top of my head, I can't think of anything other than just the the stuff like putting a bit of latex on and pulling it off, like zombie stuff from years and years ago. Yeah. So we never really did the whole Halloween thing. I really no. enough. Same here. Yeah, I think the only time I did would have been zombie with the, the putty scars and like torn up clothes. That was about it, really. Yeah. Uh, so... And question four, sorry, I'd lost my place in the script. Uh, 
It's more of it's a technical... Ignore mine altogether. <laughs> oh, shit. Sorry, Stu. <laughs> I thought I started with you, but I didn't, did I? I'm so sorry. Stu, what's your answer? <laughs> do you want to do it again? Do you kind of leave it in? Just leave Fuck it, it, I'll leave it in. It's fine. They're used to it by now. <laughs> so I was thinking, because there was a couple that... I mean, the first thing that, that absolutely terrified me was Ed 209. But that's a horror villain, is he? <laughs> he's just a, like a psychopath. Yeah, same. Yeah. He's a mechanical, mechanical psychopath. He's not, you can't control him. Mm. Apart from the, the stairs. Um, the other one was, I mean, if you think of the, the action figure of someone where most people have got a gun and, or a machete or whatever, and this person's would have to be a cow tanger. So we've already gone into <laughs> Bateman already <laughs> in depth. How fucking classy is. Mm. Just because it's so OTT 80s that it's just unreal. Um, so I'll go for my third choice, Buffalo Bill. Because why wouldn't he? Mm. Yeah. As, as totally fucked up as you can possibly be. Just no logic to it. Just someone who's seriously tapped in the head. And how do you control that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean... So, I mean, Matt, you've already mentioned uh, Silence of the Lambs as well. They're a good series of films, to be perfectly honest. All I mean, there's technically four, aren't there? Although one is a remake of the other one. I think all versions of the actual villain in those movies have been really well produced and they actually feel like real villains. I know the main man is supposed to be Hannibal Lecter, but he's not really the bad guy in those movies, is he? No, because he's, he's got this very... It's hard to say this for a serial killer, but he's got a very playfulness about him, hasn't he? Especially in Silence of the Lambs. Um, I, I know at the end of Hannibal, it's a little less playful and a little more just psycho killer, guess you say. Um, but it's um, it's just they are they are again that they don't get the chops that they deserve as a piece of horror. It's more of a psychological thriller, which is a shame. Um, but they are you know they are fantastic films all the same. Yeah, I think had they not have won the Oscar, they would be firmly within the horror camp. Mm. But the fact that they were Oscar winners, that it just they didn't want to accept the horror genre, so they told everyone it was just a a thriller. But yeah, excellent films anyway, regardless. So a more technical question for you now: I want the best score, soundtrack, piece of music, whatever, anything audible within a film that you think is really well done. Stu, because I forgot you last time, you can kick <laughs> us off. <laughs> Every time you hear a certain piece of music, there's only one that ever gives me any kind of chill. And that's weird, and it's Tubular Bells, Exorcist. Mm. Every mm. single time, without fail. I mean, the film itself, not terribly scary, not anymore. Um, probably, again, a passage of time thing, but it's just that piece of music, it's just... Whoa. It's like, like like nails on chalkboard for people who don't like that kind of thing. Again, don't care really. But it's just them tingles. It's just it's something else. I can't really, I can't explain it. Mm, no, I get you. It's probably the association to that film that makes it makes the the hair on the back of your neck stand up because that film does have a legacy. And, and whilst it probably doesn't have the impact it used to have, there mm. are still elements of it that are creepy as fuck. I mean, the idea of Pazuzu being the big bad infecting a 12-year-old child, like, it, it is quite 
it's something that stays with you and that piece of music is iconic really isn't it that was also the one that i was going to choose um would be tubular bells it was either tubular bells or the halloween theme and i think the only reason i've gone with tubular bells is because that came first and i think you don't get the halloween theme without tubular bells uh matt what about yourself so um taking it all the way back uh to uh 2003 um a piece of music called in the house in the heartbeat which is basically the music at the end of 28 days later um okay yeah it's just this really eerie and quite menacing piece of music that encapsulates I don't know how to describe it. So the whole the whole you know film builds up to this massive like crescendo where he essentially turns he essentially turns as violent as the things that are killing everybody else and he becomes this monster in himself. And this piece of music just crescendos everything about it and it's really powerful. And that scene is nowhere near as impactful without that piece of music. Um and when you hear it it just takes you back and I think a good a good piece of music does that. And it just fits perfectly with um, with the with that movie, and it's one of the things that stands out the absolute most for me. And um, when I think back, if I think of one scene, I think of two things about Twenty Eight Days Later. I think about the scene on the on Tower Bridge, mm-hmm. which was just how much of a shit old London is. There was that wasn't that wasn't that was just <laughs> London at that time in the morning. That wasn't anything special, um, and and that piece of music at the end, I think, is phenomenal. Have you seen Twenty Eight Weeks Later? I have. I have. Is it good? Uh, or um, um, I'll tell you. I didn't know. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. You know what I mean. It's 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 having a really nice beer and then cracking open a can of Stella. It's all right. It's better That's... than most, but it's still you know it's still not a nicely fresh poured premium. Mm. You know. Yeah. It's it's like. It's like RoboCop two, really. Oh, it's it's perfectly fine to watch, but it's not the best at all. It's also it's also set in the Commonwealth from The Walking Dead. Oh, right. Okay, I get you. Right. I mean, I've seen maybe about twenty minutes of it, and it seems like a complete different film, like Alien oh, it is. to Aliens. Yeah, it is. Like, yeah, it is. That's why I never wasted my time giving it any any more effort. Plus, isn't Hawkeye in it? And like, yeah, fucking Burn as well. Oh, I generally don't mind her, but um, Hawkeye is generally a no for me. Ash, what's your musical choice? <laughs> to be fair, 28 weeks later, the chase scene with Robert Carlyle, is it at the start of the film? I think that bit's fantastic. Um, when she when he's getting chased by the zombies and then at the end he's on the boat and gets away. Also with the music there, that's fantastic as well. But I'm going to go with a film that's only half a horror. First half's a sci-fi film. I'm going for Sunshine and Adagio oh, in yes. D minor. Um, that is why you great in... for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can hear Adagio in D minor in a film you've reviewed before with Kick-Ass. But it's... It starts as a sci-fi film and then it ends as a horror film. So I think it stands for this, for, for what we're talking about now, because you'd kind of need the horror aspect at the end, because otherwise it's just a sci-fi film where Wong gets everything wrong and then 
causes a bit of mayhem. But having Mark Strong go crazy and then fuck everyone up right at the end, I think it makes the film better. And then the tension with the music, it just makes it makes you tense, I think. And I, that's why I really enjoy it, because you need the tension. Like, with uh, Jason's noises... You need those noise. You need that music or that little bit of tension to help you. So mm. I think that's probably one of my favourite bits of music. Excellent. Uh, the other thing that I had written down, I've got two more other uses of music or sound. I thought have been iconic. Obviously, Psycho, the shower scene, like the the use of the is it violin strings that they were doing with the each stab in motion and that use of the non diegetic music is just. Is perfect, and I think that that also echoes down the line through other horror films. It's there's a reason that fit, that scene is iconic. And on a more contemporary note, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, Red Right Hand, that's a, a piece of music that's been used in quite a few modernish horror movies, and it just seems like an excellent accompaniment to any horror. There aren't many songs that sort of hit the charts that you think would be horror songs as such, but yeah, Red Right Hand, I think, is a, a good good one. You can't class that now because it's the theme tune to Peaky Blinders. Oh, shit, really? Yeah, it's the that's opening credit song. Oh, that's disappointing. They've let themselves down there. There's nothing stopping you at all. It's free. Ah, it's brum is the way it... Um, <laughs> anyway, Supernatural recommendations up next. So these are movies which exist outside the physical realm. Ghouls and ghosts, demons and angels, witches and warlocks. Obviously, these creatures go way back before the invention of cinema. Shakespeare, Dickens, Wilde all had stories about ghastly goings on. And whilst ghostly films started off generally friendly speaking with Casper, The Ghost Goes West, in 1935 it wasn't until the 40s when ghosts became ghoulish in the uninvited and dead of night i think this is probably the most malleable of the genre to be honest supernatural films come in all flavors so you get comedy gore psychological some might not even be horrors i mean i just think of crazy swayze in ghost like that that's a supernatural film but it's not necessarily horror so there's a bit of everything but obviously, we're only here to discuss the horror aspects. So tell me what you've got, Matt. So um, from a supernatural point of view, I know there's loads of loads of different options. This really is my bag now. But I put American Werewolf in London was probably, for me, where that side of the genre was um, reached its peak. Now, there's, there's, there's a bit of a theme to all of my, my favourite kind of horrors, generally speaking, and that is there's a, there's a, there's a comedy element to it as well. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's the milk in a hot curry kind of thing. It's like you know, <laughs> it's the bit to kind of desensitise from it. But American Werewolf in London, it, 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 it teases horror throughout, and then, and then actually when he turns, it's for the time. And I, I was, I was uh, harangued by good friend of the show Tara for, and she misconstrued me quite seriously when she said I was basically slagging off American Wolf in London saying that it's, um, it's special effects were hokey, which wasn't the case. I just like to have seen what they could do with it now. Cause obviously at the time I, it must've been fucking terrifying. Like the, to see mm. like that transformation, um, with what technology was available. Um, and I just think it's a really 
fun yet scary in parts um showing of kind of what rural life and, and then city life in england is like so obviously when they're in the um when they're in the what's the name of the pub the slaughter the slaughtered lamb is it um i think it is or something like that um and everybody stops and they go in there and these americans are like on the moors or whatever it is <laughs> it's just brilliant and then there's these funny elements to it and it, i never really understood the the appeal of like these older movies until i saw that because you know, I live. I'm from the generation that very much, if it's old, it's shit. Um, but American <laughs> Werewolf in London started to change that for me, and, and that you know that can only be a good thing. Are you generally speaking a fan of werewolf movies? Where do you stand on the the most recent one with Benicio del Toro? I think the werewolf, ha- much like the vampire, has been ruined by that shambles of a series, Twilight. Um, now I, I know for a fact That's just because you hate girls. That's because I hate girls. No, I mean, and the thing is, the argument is, and the argument that Sam made with me is that these things don't exist, so they can be anything that anyone wants them to be. Um, the werewolf genre, you know, there's an, always an element of sexiness, isn't there, about the werewolf? There's always this, like, brooding, um, half-man, carnal desires kind of thing about it. And so, generally speaking, I'm not a massive, like, fan of the love stories that seem to entwine with the werewolf um, but American Werewolf in London, as I say, the comedy elements and then the horror side of it kind of t- it, it took it away from that. I know there is a, a love kind of thing going on in there, but it's never really like, it's not, you know, it's not the main focus of the whole thing. So what you're saying there is you're into bears. <laughs> yeah, I am. I am. I, I mean, if I was that way inclined, I'd be a bear. I think <laughs> I'm, I'm a hairy, hairy man. Andy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always used to think that I, I'd be a good werewolf. That was just one of them things that I used to do <laughs> when you're sitting there. Just you just think about these things, don't you? And oh yeah, I could be a good werewolf, really. But then obviously, still can't grow a beard at 37, so that's never going to happen. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to slag off the Underworld series. Then I thought I was, I was ready to kick off. I see, I see, I see, like Terminator Two running down Ashmore Park towards my house. <laughs> I think I've only seen the first Underworld and one of the later ones, which was really bad. It had the black fish out of uh, Game of Thrones in. I can't remember which one it was. It was shocking, though. But, yeah, not not, not that serious for me, unfortunately. My answer is Host. Uh, obviously, that was my favourite film of 2020 and probably the last film that properly gave me the shits that I, I had to watch it in the middle of the day because it was too much for my tiny brain to comprehend. It was genuinely terrifying. Obviously, it was filmed very much like we are right now. It was done over a Zoom chat for them, and it was all that they did a seance, and all the ghosts come and take these people away whilst they're all sat on their own in the middle of a pandemic. It's genuinely one of the best modern horror films I think it is absolutely superb. This will be like in my top 10 for a very long time, I think, of this genre. I absolutely adored it. I thought it was brilliant. And it came in under an hour. Like, how many films do that in the modern day? They get in, tell the story, and get out. Perfect. So, yeah, host is my answer. Stu, what's yours, please? Well, I was thinking about this. If. If I hadn't met a strange bearded man in a, in a pub in Brentford six years ago, would I <laughs> even 
<laughs> contemplated watching something like this? And probably the answer is probably no. And I think if I hadn't met you mm. and known you, I wouldn't. I'd watch horror films just like I said earlier, just like everything else. But something as fucked up and weird as Hereditary, not a chance in hell. I would even give that half a chance. And I'm so glad. I'm so glad I bowed down to this one. I thought, okay, I'll give it a go. Fucking incredible. Just absolutely mental from start to finish. You don't, yeah. It's even... I'm guessing 99% of people who listen to this have already seen it, but for that 1% who haven't, try not to spoil anything. <laughs> but it's just so weird on so many levels, and every single one, it hits perfectly. It, it's exceptional. Like, Ari Aster, I think... I mean, I know he's only got two films out so far with Hereditary and Midsummer. They're both nearly perfect for what they try to achieve and what they're doing. I think they're absolutely brilliant. Yeah, Hereditary was just a random... I think I'd heard someone mention it on a podcast once and thought, yeah, fuck it, why not give it a chance? And it absolutely blew me away. It was just outstanding. And obviously it also stars our friend Alex Wolfe from Pig, (laughs) which... It is a little bit crazy when, like, obviously we've seen him go on to do other movies, but yeah, top choice that one is. Yeah, because if you, if I hadn't seen that, then I wouldn't have watched um, the Lighthouse. Mm. You could, could, I could put could have put that in there. Yeah, easily. For, yeah, for things like this, but yeah, superb, mm. brilliant. Ash, what's your answer, please? Four words: I see dead people. <laughs> The film that made everybody believe the lie that M. Night Shyamalan is a good director. <laughs> <laughs> if you've watched his latest attempt of a film, then you'll agree. Oh, it is yeah. horrendous. But, alas, also Tony Collette's in it, which is, and she's also in Hereditary, so that's quite a mm-hmm. link. Um, but, no, Sixth Sense is literally a film about a boy who can see ghosts. And I think it's probably one of the uh, best twists I think we've had in modern cinema. I don't know if there's been many better twists at the end, apart from possibly a film that I'm going to mention later on. But, um, yeah, I think in terms of ghosts and ghouls and things like that, why not have a kid who can talk to them? It's an excellent choice. I mean... That sort of feels like that would have been a good introduction to the genre for a lot of people of, of our age. I think it's really good. And you mentioned Tony Collette. I mean, how she is not yet an Oscar-winning actor is beyond me. I think she's absolutely phenomenal in everything she does. She's ridiculously talented. Really good choice, that is. I still think that Unbreakable is better, if I'm being brutally honest. But you are right. M. Night Shyamalan is an absolute fucking fraud. <laughs> I'm still annoyed at old to be perfectly honest at this point <laughs> I did warn you Stu I did warn you yeah but you, you're wrong about so many things no but... I'm not when it comes to <laughs> horror Stu you know I'm right with horror I was, th- I was thinking then how are you possibly going to suffer through the uh, the Hawkeye series when that comes out because <laughs> you know be you, you got, you're going to have to watch it and then you're going to have to hate it so we all know you're gonna get, you're gonna rant and put it on the on the Twitter account and not tag yourself so that everyone thinks that we all think the same. And then... <laughs> I've tried watching um, What If. I just no, no. 
I watched the the zombie one, which apparently is like the best one. No, it's just got nothing on the book. It's just bland. <laughs> Sorry, but it's true. <laughs> Sorry, Are they implying that Hawkeye is uh, deaf in this uh, in the series? After however many films, he's just now deaf. Okay, cool, whatever. I, I haven't actually seen the trailer for this one. I just tried to avoid it, hoping that it might go away and <laughs> it doesn't exist. <laughs> But yeah, you are right, Stuart. I will watch it and I will most likely hate it. <clears throat> right, so that's the first week of our Horror Fest done. So we're going to take a quick break and we will be back in a fortnight with the second half. Um, next week, obviously, is a picture pod and we're delving into Vengeance, A Love Story, a cage film from 2017. It's available on Prime Video currently but make sure to check justwatch.com in case it's streaming elsewhere. Um, th- that was a film, wasn't it, lads? That's all I can say about that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, make sure you let us know what your slasher and supernatural horrors would be if you were to make your own Halloween film festival. Uh, get at us on at CageFightingPod on the Twitter and CageFightingPod at gmail.com for any emails. If you can make sure you subscribe and a review would be phenomenal also. Thank you. So for this week, Matt, would you like to say goodbye? Take it easy, guys. Look after yourselves. Stu, would you like to say goodbye? Sayonara. Ash, would you like to say goodbye? Goodbye, guys. Have fun. And it's goodbye from me. And remember, be excellent to each other. Be afraid, be very afraid.